Check it out, check it out, check it out. This is Roll the Credits. I am your host, Ryan Kalpin, alongside my partner, Tina. We're very excited for uh, this episode with Anne Hathaway uh, as we dive into two of her movies, as well as some um, very delightful conversations um, in today's episode that I think you will really enjoy. Again, this is Roll the Credits. Anne Hathaway, please enjoy. First ever plant, Your like first... a live, a live plant that I have to keep alive. Like a real plant. A real plant. Is it, it like a succulent where you don't have to do anything? No, I wish I should have done that. Um, no, it is agave, um, and it's a baby agave, but it's kind of big. Well, it's supposed to get bigger, and I asked the plant lady at the plant store. I was like, "Oh, how big does it get?" And she showed me a picture of it, and it's fucking massive. And I was like. Oh my God. Insane. (laughs) And she was like, Oh, don't worry. It's going to take a few years. And then this like sheer of panic and terror washed across my face and through my body. And I was like, I I have to keep this alive for (laughs) multiple years. And I looked at my friend and she was like, Nat, Nat, it's going to be okay. Wow. Well, there's a few things that I have questions about. One, the plant store, what would it be? Home Depot? What's a, what's a plant um, no, store? So in East Falls, uh, East Falls, Pennsylvania uh, is actually in Philadelphia, but it's mm-hmm. a neighborhood there. Um, mm-hmm. There is a coffee shop and a plant shop, and they're like the same thing. It's just like one side has coffee and the other side has plants. That seems very hipster. It's it's very, very hipster. <laughs> okay, so you got a baby agave. I do. It's yeah, funny. Let me, let me yeah, let's see. You. you guys can't see it listening, but I can see it. Oh, guys, it's it looks like a weed. <laughs> so Tina went out to the plants and coffee store and bought a, a large weed that will live in her house for years. Um, yeah. It's funny because uh, my mom is big into plants as well, like outdoor plants, really all plants. Um, and like she really like flowers and plants. She really like takes her time and they're really important to her. And like some live for years and you have like my, like she's making my dad clip all the rose bushes and all this stuff. And I never understood like, <laughs> You know, one, how one, you, you care for it as if it's an animal or a pet or like, right? and they live, like you just said that agave will live for years. years. And so, yeah, it's, 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 it's strange. I, 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 I can't comprehend. I have had some succulents. Um, I've bamboo. Yeah. So. Which, which succulents are you pretty, pretty much easy. You don't just, I think you just have to avoid sunlight um, pretty much, but yeah, I, I can't, I can't really relate but i guess congratulations i guess are, are in order yeah. if you keep it do, what I do you have, have to text your mom for some tips what do you have to do water like what is there certain things for this agave that you need to follow directions wise um so it said avoid direct sunlight so it can't be like directly in the sun but it still needs the sun that's pretty confusing to me <laughs> um <laughs> i have to water it she said not as much right now because it's cold out but I don't know, like, do I water it twice a week? Do I is water it, it every is, week? It's like, supposed to be an indoor plant. What does it matter if it's cold outside? Uh, I don't know. Oh, this is not well, good, eventually, Tina. 
eventually I think it might live outside, but I'm not sure. It'd be, oh, it's going to get too big. And now it's now it's on this podcast in episode two that you have purchased an agave. And now we're going to have to check in every week and see where this agave is going. And I feel like by week 11 or 12, you're going to have to come back to me and say, you know what? I killed the agave. I, I very well might. And then my mom's not going to want me to have a podcast with a plant killer. And I'm going to have to do this solo. Damn it. So I, ahead of- I blame the hipster plant store mm-hmm. for that. um for me what is new well some semi-big news um i think i had told you i don't know how many you know people listening might know um if you know me if you don't obviously you don't but i live in philadelphia and i had gotten a new job recently over the past four or five months and they kind of have offices all over kind of a we work type situation so i work out of a we work right now and one of their we work offices is in chicago um, and then I visited Chicago New Year's Eve for a week and I loved it. And it was incredible. One of the best cities, if not the best city I've been to. And I like to travel to a lot of different cities. Um, and I was thinking about moving there when I went for the trip, it was like a 30% chance, but it was kind of a time where, you know, I'm not being held down by anything. You know, I have friends that are going to be friends, you know, no matter where I go and family and, you know, I could pick up my dog and leave and things like that. So, uh, when I went there and, and loved it as much as I did in the winter time, and I heard it's even better in the summer, you know, I started looking at apartments and talked to my family and it was, uh, you know, going to be a real consideration. Um, and the one thing was that it was a lot more expensive to rent an apartment there. Um, and I'm a little bit of a princess and I don't want to take, I don't want to take the, uh, I don't want to take the train to work. I don't want to drive to work. I want to walk to work. It's what I do now. It's what I've done for four years. And so they're even more expensive. So I asked my, I was hoping to get some sort of relocation assistance or something like that. And it's not needed because they don't need me in Chicago. It's just like, they don't care where I go pretty much. Right. So I then needed to decide internally what I was going to do. And I talked to my family and I'm going to be in Philadelphia for another year. I have decided it's the smart decision. Uh, so, yes, I will I'm be like here. I'm for you, half happy for myself. Mm. You're still going to, you know. I appreciate it. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, Philadelphia's great. It's been great to me. I've been here in and around Philly for, what, now seven years with Westchester, I think? maybe. Go Birds, right? No, not Go Birds. You've pissed me off in this agave at the beginning of this and now Go Birds. Um, but yeah, so I will be staying in Philadelphia and that was officially decided. Uh, I want to say last week. So this is a Monday that we're recording it. So we decided last week. So I will be in Philadelphia for at least another year. They said I can revisit it at that time and see what I want to do. Well, sucks for Chicago. <laughs> great for Philly. Yeah, I think it sucks for Philly. Great for Chicago. Some people would argue. <laughs> Um, anywho, well, this is roll the credits. If you stuck with us, with us through that agave and, uh, moving story, then you are here to hear about Anne Hathaway. Um, as we talked all about Mark Ruffalo last week and at the end of the show, of course, went through our random wheel generator and it was funny because Tina, you actually brought up, uh, that you met Anne Hathaway once. Yeah, I'm healthy with her. I think that's where we obviously will need to start the dialogue. Um, but we each picked a movie, which we don't know, of course. If, if you know, you're just tuned in, if you missed the first couple episodes, no worries. This is kind of a movie rating review podcast that turns into some real life conversation. Um, you know, uh, we're really thankful that you're listening. And this is Roll the Credits and Hathaway Edition. 
So, Tina, you and your uh, peanut-making political agenda role that you had before your financial background uh, allowed you to do one cool thing, as you mentioned, on the Ruffalo episode, and that was to meet Anne Hathaway. So sometimes I think you paint a picture of these people, right? Like uh, famous Mm -hmm. people, you kind of get like, oh, these, these guys are incredible. And I've never really met anybody too, too famous, but does she stand up to everything that Anne Hathaway kind of portrays to be? And how was, how was that experience? Everything and more. Um, so I worked on a campaign, um, in 2016, uh, for a congressional candidate. Um, and they were like, Oh, Anne Hathaway is going to be at, uh, one of our headquarters, um, for the, the political party that I was working for. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh my gosh, I have to go. Um, I believe I skipped class. No, I wasn't in college. Forget that. I didn't skip class. <laughs> I brought my friend and she skipped class. Okay. Um, and so she stood up there. She gave a speech talking about how it's important to vote, yada, yada, yada. Um, and she was talking about women's empowerment. And mm-hmm. that was obviously incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, listen to her speak about it. Uh, and then it was time for her to like, kind of go into the the crowd of people and there's like this mass rush of fucking people like trying to get a selfie with Anne Hathaway of course and this little girl reaches up taps her on the shoulder and says um excuse me could could I get a picture with you I'm really sorry and turns around does not miss a beat and says don't ever apologize for asking for what you want and I was like mic drop (laughs) I'm leaving this was great um, I didn't leave. I obviously got a selfie with her. But guys, just so you know that that little girl was Tina. That actually was. Asking for <laughs> yeah, it was just, I'm really short. She's <laughs> she's definitely taller than I. Am. Um, no, this girl was like eight, I think. But uh, that was just in general a really cool moment and a cool message. Um, because she's not just standing up there talking and giving a speech about something, uh, which was potentially not written by her. Um, but. Mm-hmm. Not only was she uh, talking the talk, but she was also walking the walk. So, very shout cool. Out to Anne Hathaway. So, wait, did you get a photo with her? Or have any one on one time at all or anything like that? Um, no, I didn't really talk to her. Uh, I wish I could have, but I did get a picture with her. It's a selfie. Um, I'll send it to you. Actually, yeah, maybe that will be the uh, the social for the for the episode. Yeah. That will make most sense. <laughs> um, very cool. Yeah, I don't think I've ever, I think I've ever really encountered. Definitely nobody of of Anne Hathaway's stature i saw jason siegel in philadelphia a couple months ago um i yeah i I popped my head out i was in an uber i popped my head out and i yelled marshall um and he he didn't miss a beat either he turned around and gave a little gave a little wave um you know because i'm sure just another jackass i'm sure he's never heard anybody call him marshall before but that's what i did um but yeah i don't think there's really anybody else some sports figures and things like that obviously but um you know nobody like that that so that's uh that's super cool um, well, having said that, you know, I guess I'll let you go first this time, um, with the movie or TV show that you picked, uh, regarding Anne Hathaway. Um, and you know, last week, if, again, if you missed last week, I picked a, uh, well, I picked a, a terrible movie, qu- quite frankly. Um, and mm-hmm. Tina picked a pretty good one, um, gave it a solid 8.0 rating. So how do we stack up on the scale this week? Oh, not that well. Um, <laughs> I would... I'll tell you what it is first. Um, okay. It's called Serenity. Oh, is uh, this with Matthew McConaughey? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was okay. actually rated like one of the worst movies. It was this yeah. year, right? Didn't it come out this year? 
Uh, well, yeah, last 2019. Oh, right, right, yeah. It was it was rated like one of the worst movies of 2019. Oh <laughs> it was awful. It was absolutely <laughs> awful. Um, so the opening scene, let, let me just set the scene first. So the opening scene is an aerial view of mm-hmm. a boat. And there's these two fat, balding men passed out on the boat with some fishing rods and like beer cans just littered around them. Mm-hmm. So it's like zooming in closer, and then all of a sudden, this giant fish bites the line, and Matthew McConaughey comes bursting out, and he's like trying to catch this gigantic fish. Mm-hmm. And they pull out a little bit again, and you see this fish, and it's half the size of a fucking boat, which is just so unrealistic. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Um, and Matthew McConaughey pulls a knife on these guys because these guys are like, yo, that's our fish, that's our fish. And Matthew McConaughey's like, no, nah, man, this is my fish, this is my fish. And he pulls a knife on them, and he just starts, like, reeling this fish in. And it it feels like this is supposed to be happening for, like, an hour of him just trying to reel this fish in. And all of a sudden, they get it to the point where, like, they're supposed to bring it in, and he loses the fish. (laughs) And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, what the fuck is Anne Hathaway doing in this movie? Because this is absurd. And Matthew McConaughey. Don't act like he's not a great actor as well. Okay, yeah, he is, but, like... It was just, it's more of, like, he does more of that kind of thing. Like, you know, Failure to Launch was a great movie, but it it's sort of like. Yeah, he's, okay, he's had know. some flubs, you're saying. Yeah, yeah. More more than Anne has. And, okay. again, like we're saying, she's, like, up on this pedestal. Mm-hmm. And, again, not in the knocking Matthew. He's great, too. But mm-hmm. he does some goofy things. Okay. Um, But, yeah, so the premise basically is Anne Hathaway eventually shows up. Um, you kind of find out that Matthew McConaughey, Matthew McConaughey's character is named Baker Dill Mm -hmm. and he sort of has this mysterious sort of past and the movie's like pretty confusing throughout it, but Anne Hathaway ends up being his ex-wife. Um, and she's also in a blonde wig, which is, which definitely threw me off. I was like, what? Like she's, like it's not a wig in the movie. She's. Oh, she's, she's blonde, blonde in the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay, not, I don't think she's actually wearing a wig, but mm, her hair is blonde in the movie. Uh, um, is, so she has her long hair then. She does, yes. Uh, see, so, I wa- what I watch is when she had her short hair, and I like uh, I like it when her yeah. hair's longer. <laughs> yeah. So you kind of find out that uh, they were married, um, and now she's married to an abusive man, um, and Baker Dill, and Karen is her name in the movie. Mm-hmm fucking worst name um <laughs> no offense to anybody named karen sorry uh, and karen if you're listening to this <laughs> tina does not hate you she just does not like the name karen <laughs> uh yes yeah, so <laughs> uh so her name's karen they have a son together named patrick uh sorry and- dad if you're listening to this she does not hate the name patrick she's just mentioning it <laughs> <laughs> so we're going, you know, I'm watching it and I'm like, all right, this is a little ridiculous. So anyways, you find out that um, he has this compulsion to catch this fish, uh, which again, a little bit weird. He's hooked to this fish like five times. In this so that, that same fish from the beginning? Yes. This fish's okay. name is Justice. <laughs> That's so uh-huh. uh-huh. How could you just track a fish? You know, um, <laughs> I'm getting there. So sorry. <laughs> he's track he has the he, you know, so the the premise of the movie is he's supposed to be catching this fish, but then Karen shows up and Karen's like, I need you to kill my husband. 
And she was like, I'll give you $10 million. $10 million, not like $1 million. Ten, <laughs> $10 million? Exactly. Again, I'm like, this is... This is wildly unrealistic. I don't understand what they're trying to do. How does she have ten million dollars? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Because it's Frank, her husband, fish, it's fish is just it, it has ten million dollars in its stomach. Fish, yeah. Um, her husband, her current husband, who's abusive and a drunk. Mm. Um, his name is Frank. Uh, Frank is very wealthy. He has all these connections and whatever, and has like threatened to kill her. He beats her. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Um. Typical, like, battered woman story, mm-hmm. um, which is very sad. Uh, and Patrick hears it all the time. And Patrick is just sort of, they show him, like, throughout the movie, but the shots are, like, of just his eyes, and he's, like, playing a video game. So, and then, like, sometimes you, like, see words and stuff on the screen. So it's like you're looking at him if you're in a computer screen, mm-hmm. but, at, you know, it's just, it's weird. So, Throughout the movie, you're like, what? Like, weird things keep happening. People know things, and you're like, how does that person know that? Um, and then also throughout the movie, there is a man in a suit who is just, like, casually running around this town trying to get in contact with Baker Dill, who's Matthew McConaughey, who is also actually John Mason. He changed his name. Um, okay. Yes, yeah, so... This guy's, like, running around trying to catch him, and he just, like, misses him by, like, 20 seconds every time. He's like, damn it. Like, I'm just trying to get in touch with him. Um, And he's just wearing a suit the whole time. So, like, there are scenes where he's, like, on the beach wearing a suit, carrying a briefcase. And you're like, what what is going on? Hmm. So, within, like, the last 30 minutes of the movie or so, Baker Dill, a.k.a. John Mason, a.k.a. Matthew McConaughey, Mm -hmm. um... And this man in the suit, he's a little scrawny man with, like, little beady glasses. His name's Reed Miller. He meets up with Reed, and Reed's like, hey, man, I'm glad I caught you. And it's 2.30 in the morning, and it's pouring out. So, again, it's like, what, what is happening? He's like, mm-hmm. uh, I just want you to try this fish tracker. And he's like, what? He's like, no, I don't need that. Um, so... You know, he's just holding this fish tracker and they're having a conversation. He's like, listen, man, like, I don't make the rules. I am the rules, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, what? What? <laughs> so this whole conversation occurs and Matthew McConaughey eventually is like, fine, like, I'll do it. I'll use your fish tracker and let you know how it is at the end of the week. And then he wakes up and it's like it was a dream and not real. The whole movie or just the fish tracker? No, just the fish tracker part. But then the, his card is sitting on the table, so it is real. And you're just like, what is happening? So um, Matthew McConaughey ends up killing Frank um, while Anne Hathaway is on the boat. Um, so they do it sort of together. Um, and then within like the last few minutes of the movie, you hear a newscast. And it's like 13-year-old Patrick killed his stepfather with a single stab wound to the heart and you're like oh my god and you find out the entire movie was a video game and matthew mcconaughey's character in real life's name was john mason um but he was a captain uh in the marines in iraq in 2006 and he was killed yes wait 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 so the whole thing is a video game. Yep. So Anne Hathaway's not in an abusive relationship? No, she is in real life. So this whole thing, so 
she is in an abusive relationship. Her son does hear him, his stepfather, beating her all the time and that kind of thing. But was the son even a part of this, the, the whole movie? You, like, you just see his eyes. And then at one point, so in the moment where they're killing Frank, and they're, like, throwing him overboard. Well, he doesn't get thrown overboard. A fish pulls him overboard, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously, sorry. Um, also, uh, then his new compulsion in this video game becomes killing Frank. But he, like, Matthew McConaughey doesn't know it's a video game. Like, I don't, it's really weird. It's just, like, nothing comes together in the right way at the end. It's all just, like, very, like, boom. And then you're like, what just happened? Okay. Okay. So I just need to clarify because yeah. I'm confused. So Matthew and- McConaughey's character was killed in Iraq in 2006. Correct. And this was present day. That and the, ste- the kid's playing the video game. Okay. The kid's playing the video game. But the step, the stepfather that is abusing Anne Hathaway, does he really die? Yes, his his stepson stabs him once. So that really will, happens. Yes, that really happens. But the um, whole everything else is a video game. Everything else is a video game. Like the, it's like a fish video game. Yes. So he's playing like a like, fishing like, game, like Hook'em or whatever you play yes. in the sure, sure. <laughs> but who's uh, playing? Who who's who's the vantage point? Is it of? Is it Matthew McConaughey's character's vantage point? Sort of, like, it's partially his and partially his son's. And who's the man in the suit? Um, The man in the suit is, like, the rules. He's the one that basically tells Matthew McConaughey oh. to call a game. And oh, okay. So when he says, to... I, I make the rules, yeah. he made, he's, like, the, the, the game. Yeah, so he's, like, trying to steer Matthew McConaughey away from killing Frank in the game, which is weird, too. So, like, I don't... It was all just. Does he ever catch the fish? No, he does not catch the fish. And then at the very, very end, he's starting to transform into like a different video game. Matthew McConaughey? Yeah. And I was like, what is happening? But what the fuck does that have to do with the son? Like, I'd be more interested in the son actually killing the stepfather. Yeah, yeah. So the son actually killed the stepfather. But you don't see that. You don't see it. But the way you know it is he picks up a knife. And walks away from his video game, and you see the vantage point of him walking away and exiting through his bedroom door. And then you hear the newscaster say, so 13-year-old Patrick killed his stepfather while he was, like, beating his mother and saved his mother or something. So he, he stops ready. playing the video game. Correct. To, to go kill his stepfather. To go kill. So in some weird way, they tried to make it seem like McConaughey was trying to get this kid to stop playing the video game to some to save his Anne Hathaway, yes. which is was that really his ex wife? Like, so they, I mean, he died in Iraq. They were married the whole. So time. It, was a, it was really the it was she was a widow. She's a widow, yeah. So that whole thing then is trying to get the kid to save the mom, and McConaughey's way of doing that in some weird twisted way was through was, the video game was to win or lose the video game, so the kid would yeah. stop playing. So yeah, to kill. Well, yeah. Yeah, kind and, of. Right? Yeah. 
I think so. I don't know. Like, it was fucking confusing. It was very confusing. That sounds terrible. It, it was awful. Because, like I'm saying, these weird things are happening throughout the video game. And, like, these random obstacles are popping up when he's trying to kill Frank. And you're like, why, why is all of this happening? And then at the very end, you're like, this, this was all a game? So maybe like, maybe if, if McConaughey never killed the stepdad in the video game, then maybe the kid would have never been able to kill him in real life. Maybe. And that's why all those obstacles are popping up. And that's why the game guy didn't want him to kill him because the game doesn't want him to win. Right. But then the game guy was like, okay, kill him. Essentially. It was, it was so weird. It was really, so I was trying to sit down and figure out how am I going to describe this movie because it was literally the most confusing thing I've ever watched. And well, you it was, did a pretty good job of it with what you had. Yeah, it was it was very confusing at times. There were a lot of weird scenes too. Um, for example, there's this one scene where Frank arrives to um, this vacation spot, uh, which is the island that Baker Dill lives on, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and Anne Hathaway had already gotten there and he walks into the room and he was like, take off your robe. So she takes off her robe and he puts his glasses on and kneels down and just like starts inspecting her body and he sees a scratch on her and he's like, oh, like, how'd you, how'd you get that one? And like, then it like, he whips off his belt insinuating that he's going to like whip her, which he, they insinuate that he does. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was really bizarre. There was a lot going on. Um, and they didn't wrap it up. Well, hmm. it was not wrapped up. Well, Mm-mm. doesn't seem like it was. <laughs> no. And I was sitting there thinking, I was like, huh. How does this ever relate to real life? How does it relate? How'd you do it? How did, did you do, did it? you find a way to do well, it? <laughs> I did, and I was like, man, like let me think of a time where technology and real life kind of like coincided a little bit too closely, and like more than what I would have wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this dating app called Hinge. Um, mm. If you're familiar with it. I, I, I do know what it is. We are not sponsored yeah. yet. Hinge, if you would like to sponsor us, we are open we are to here. that. <laughs> um, so I was thinking about it. I was like, wow. Okay. So this one time, um, this guy matched with me and we'll call him Jack. Jack matched with me. Jack sent me a message. It was like weirdly worded. And I was like, mm, whatever. Mm-hmm. So the next day, thought nothing of it. Never thought about it again. Um, I'm out and I went out for my roommate's birthday. Uh, we all went out to dinner and this guy approached, um, who was joining us for dinner. And I was like, Hmm, he's kind of cute. Like, I'm going to sit next to him and talk to him to see what he's like. Okay. Maybe he has an agave. You guys can talk about agaves. No, actually he, uh, he has bees. He's a beekeeper. Anyways. Oh dear Lord. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So. I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, like just chatting with him, whatever. We all go home, um, back to our house. My roommate, my roommates and I are sitting there and we're all talking. Um, and he mentions his friend's name and he says, oh, Jack Smith. And, um, he said it and I was sitting there and I was like, huh, 
how would they spell Smith? Because it was like a different, obviously that's not his last name. Yes. It was just yeah, like, yeah, you know, it. it was a different <laughs> last name. Mm. And then I was like, oh my God. I pulled out my phone and I pulled up Hinge. It was literally this guy. I just sat next to and I think so the worst part is I had actually met him before. You, um, met, you met a beekeeper and you didn't remember? Well, one, I didn't know he was a beekeeper, and two, uh, <laughs> he was at our housewarming party, um, which uh, we had a keg at, and my night, uh, my night ended early. <laughs> Leave it at that. So my night ends early. I met a lot of people, and I was like, oh my God, Alan, to my roommate. I matched with Jack on Hinge and he messaged me and I didn't recognize him. And it was just like overall, it was very bizarre. I felt embarrassed. I was mostly just mortified that like I'd met him in real life once before. I had matched with him on a dating app Mm -hmm. and I met him again and I still had no idea about those two previous encounters, if you will, interactions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was... That was when life and technology were just like a little bit too much for me. I was like, I don't, I don't think I like this. I don't think I like these random people just sort of appearing and sort of like, quote unquote, knowing who I am through a screen. And then they see me in real life. And you know, it was just, it was really bizarre. I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. Do you think that he knew that? So like... You were like, oh, he's cute. I want to sit next to him. And mm-hmm. then do you think that he knew, one, that you had met before, two, that you had matched on Hinge, and three, that you yeah. had no idea who he was? So <laughs> I genuinely wholeheartedly had no idea who he was. And I said that to my roommates. And I asked them. I live with three boys. Um, mm-hmm. So I asked them. I was like, "What do you guys think he, he knew who I was? And they were like, he absolutely knew who you were. Are you serious? So, you know, it was just one of those things where I was like, nah, he definitely didn't. And they're like, nah, like he, he totally did. You're just underestimating it all. And mm-hmm. I think I, I didn't want him to notice because I felt bad that I didn't notice. Um, but, you know, you see faces all the time. You walk by a bajillion people all the time. You know, and I didn't notice. I felt <laughs> bad. I'll tell you this, as a guy, from a guy's point of view, he knew, but <laughs> but you. he definitely knew, but most guys don't have enough uh, courage to say something about mm-hmm. it, so I'm sure he didn't bring it up, obviously, because yep. you didn't know. Nope. Um, so it's just in the back of his mind, and the whole time, we're all just, guys are just thinking, oh, I wonder like if she really remembers, Like, should I say something? I don't really know what to say. What should I do? Uh, maybe I just won't bring it up. Maybe I'll talk about how I'm a beekeeper. I don't really know what I should talk about. So he definitely did know, and then he's going back at the end of the night, and and he's just like, oh man, I don't, I should have said something. Why didn't I say something? Maybe now I'll slide in her hinge account again, or maybe now I can never talk to her again. So um, yeah. I have seen him since we've interacted. Everything's fine, but you um, definitely never brought up the fact that you matched on hinge. Oh, well, it's one of those things where it's yeah, like, oh, I I'm not going. You brought it up. I didn't. I I actually so I messaged him back. After you met him, you would have never messaged him back if you didn't meet him. Absolutely correct. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He he said, hey, Natalie, how you feeling? And I was like, that's... that's Okay, well, here's what I want to address as, again, this is a good dynamic. 
what what do you want us to say okay so i'm <laughs> no, no, no it's fine it, it just sounded like i read that and i was like but I'm, no i'm i'm curious i'm genuinely curious i'm not one to i don't really utilize dating apps i'm i'm more, i'm more of like a hopeless romantic at heart because i like the actual connection of yeah, all that lame stuff it doesn't work it's not it's not a fucking movie but um <laughs> i wish so, I mean, I've used them and I, you know, I obviously know how they work. What do you want us to say? Do you want us to come up with something punny? Do you want us to send you, do you want us to send you a pun? Do you want us to say hi? Do you want us to say something funny, something relatable to your profile? Um, do you I want prefer something potentially relatable um, or just like, just hit me with a random question. At least start a conversation like, uh, hey, what's up? But you know how ridiculous that's at. So oh, like, I know you, how ridiculous. You know, you you, you but meet I'm out. For it. It's like okay, if you were to meet somebody randomly out on the street or, or at a bar or wherever you are, and you just went up to that person and asked a, oh hey, like uh, do you like you know to to pit, you know go go walk on the beach or do you like to <laughs> do you like to go do walk? do you like plants? Like no, nobody would say if you ever went up to somebody. If you ever went up to somebody in real life, they would you uh, they that would never happen. Well, Yet, yeah, but I'm not gonna go up to somebody and be like, "Hey, what's up?" That I don't know at all. I'm gonna make some kind what of what are we snarky... supposed to do? <laughs> well, I'm gonna make like a snarky remark or like I don't know, just say something about anything really. What if I approached you and we're standing in line at the grocery store? I'm going to look in your little basket and be like, yo, dude, those suck. Go put them back or something. Or like make a, I don't know, make a joke. I don't know. I don't know. That doesn't happen. That's not a thing. That's not a thing. Do you never talk to strangers at the grocery store? No, see, I'm one of those people. Like I'm a headphones guy, so I always have my headphones in. All right. Well, that's why why you haven't met anybody in real life right now. You're missing the connection because you have your headphones in. Yes, yeah, there's multiple reasons, but I guess the nice <laughs> way is to say if I have headphones in. But um, I just – it's so funny because to me it's such a double standard. And in today's world, it's so different. Uh, I mean that because a lot of times, you know, people are meeting through apps and it's it's become normal. And it's not – and people literally, you know, create relationships and, and I'm sure – Oh, people I got have, married. I know yeah, I got married. people that got married. Yeah, and it's – It's tender. Right. And it's not anything now to like laugh at or, you know, be ashamed about. But for no. for me, I still would feel weird being like, oh, well, how'd you guys meet? It, it doesn't right. feel right but, to yeah. say, well, I met because I met because, you know, my phone and her phone did these algorithms where it showed that we were within a 25 mile radius. And for whatever reasons, due to the fact of pictures that I liked and she liked, they thought that we would be compatible. And for those reasons, we uh, decided to get coffee. And, you know, just pretended to not really like each other or not show any interest because that's what the social construct stands for, for about four and a half weeks. Yeah. And then, and then we would stop talking, but eventually kind of came back around. And, and then a mutual yeah, that's ghosting. A mutual ghosting. And um, the night you go. And then, and then a, a drunk encounter a couple weeks later. And, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how we, you know, reignited our flame. And that's why we're getting married here today. So thank you all for coming to our wedding. I really <laughs> appreciate it. Like that story doesn't warm my heart that, you know no. what I mean? And again, I get it and I get it as well. Like it is today's world yeah. where technology does seem to be taken over back to your original point in some way. Um, but I do agree with you though. I, I much prefer the in-person interaction and that first like, you know, like 
You just get the locking like, of the eyes type. No, like locking. Of the I know what you mean, but you get the like, jitters, or you get like kind of a, a feeling in the pity or something. You can't get that through no. a telephone, in my opinion. No, um, I agree. And I'm okay. Like it's for, it's weird because difference is like a friend of a friend or whatever. Like not really setting up, but like if you're like out or whatever, and you're like introduced in that way, like that seems much more genuine to me than again the algorithms of Tinder or Hinge. And I'm not here to condemn it because it works. And mm, yeah, oh, you know, so nothing cool. I'm doing is working, so I shouldn't hate anything, and I should be on all the dating apps. So <laughs> Bumble, Tinder, Hinge. If you are listening, we would love for you to be a sponsor of our show. Uh, anywho. Um, <laughs> So yeah, uh, overall, sounds like a movie was terrible, but well done because it does. It seems difficult to make a fishing video game back into uh, to real life conversation, but he did a good job, and you know I'm glad you. Wait, so wait before we move on here. Are we ready? Well, no, not yet. I want to. We didn't close the book on Jack the Beekeeper. You said you met him again and talked about whatever. Um, Whatever happened? What fizzled um, out here? Mutual ghosting. No, yeah. Um, no, we talked about it. I was like, oh, ha, ha, small world or whatever, because I felt like an asshole. Um, mm-hmm. Which, so he's like, oh, dude, like, I thought you looked familiar as a response. And I was like, oh, okay. such a guy response. <laughs> I, oh, know, shit, really. I thought so. Fuck <laughs> out of here. You've been thinking about it since the second you saw her. <laughs> and I was like, oh, word. Um, no, so uh, my, my roommates and I had a uh, another party. Uh, we had a game of 200 cup. Uh, which is actually a lot of fun. Uh, anyways, uh, he came over for that. Uh, so I just, you know, stood there, talked to him for a little bit kind of thing. Um, mm. It was fine. It was nothing. I wasn't like, oh, haha, like, let's go get drinks <laughs> or something. You know, like, I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> this sounds awkward. Months later, you're telling this story right now. <laughs> I can't imagine being yeah, there like, in the Yeah, like, this person is fine, like. I mean, I felt like it was fine, but I just played Would you like to come see all the honey that my bees have made? <laughs> yes, please. Um, he's not like a beekeeper as a profession. It's just like a side thing that he does. Right. Just it's such a shame because we're, we're not here to out anybody, but I no. can't imagine that the number of beekeepers in Philadelphia is higher <laughs> than three. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and I think it's a very cool thing. I think it's a very cool hobby. Um, and I'm sure it's probably a cool business to own too because you can do a lot of things with <laughs> bees. <laughs> no, yeah, sure. I hate I hate bees, so I can't really relate. <laughs> I'm terrified. I'm hard time uh, <laughs> not laughing because I'm secretly terrified now. But, like, they make things out of beeswax and whatnot. So, I don't know. Anyways. Um, <laughs> I'll just stop there. Uh, <laughs> okay. Sorry. Uh, rating of the movie. Rating of the movie, yes. So you're going from an 8.0 um, to... 3.3. Three, 3.3. Three. That's lower than Margaret. Uh, yeah. I didn't even know why they called the movie Margaret. <laughs> um, I do know why they called this movie Serenity. Uh, the name of the fake boat was Serenity. That's at least understandable. Right. I mean, so I 3.3, three, that that's pretty... I did it in the first 30 seconds because they showed the name of the boat. Mm. I know, 3-3 three, three is low, but okay. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Yep, I would right not there. say, hey, that's, you need that's to watch this. That's what I we're here to do. somebody that I don't like to watch it, you know? So. <laughs> Jack the Beekeeper. <laughs> Jack the Beekeeper. Hey, Jack, um, <laughs> movie great movie. You should totally go watch it. Oh, you want to come over and watch it? Me and my bees are going to be out. <laughs> All right, Jack, I'm so sorry. Um, he's very nice very no, kind I, he's very funny too I, i'll say all of that but anyways okay 
Um, very good. Um, yeah, I actually saw that movie and I never seen it, but I did know that it hadn't been up there for one of the worst movies of 2019. And I, it's, it was hard because I love Matthew McConaughey. He's one of my favorite, if not my favorite actor. And, uh, so sorry to interrupt, but throughout the entire movie, he was either like dripping wet, like soaking wet from water. That sounds great. Or he, (laughs) or he was sweating. He like he wasn't dry at all like throughout the movie. It was so weird. Anyways, well, he was chasing a fish the entire movie. (laughs) Trying to kill a man. It's probably a lot. Um. Okay. So, uh, I picked a movie. Of course, um, I picked a little bit of a an older movie. Uh, this is Anne Hathaway with shorter hair. Like I mentioned, um, Anne Hathaway is in one of my favorite movies of all time with Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, Diaries. No. Anyway, um, so the thing is, and, and all in transparency, because this is a very honest podcast that we do, I originally chose a movie called One Day, um, and it it looked familiar to me, but I didn't think I had seen it, um, and I watched it, and I watched it for about 30 to 35 minutes, and I realized I had seen it, so I had to make a decision of either, either just watching it again and then talking about it or just picking a new movie, and I really didn't want, especially in the beginning here, to, to pick a movie that we already seen, so... Um, I chose to to get out of one day and, and, and picked a new movie, just in all transparency to to let you know. Um, one day is about Anne Hathaway. One day was more of like a romantic comedy about Anne Hathaway and this friendship that she had since college. They live in like London, and they're both in going in separate oh. directions. Uh, like she's she she wants to be a writer and she's working at a restaurant, and yeah. he's like this really like charming, successful TV producer of sorts, and. Um, kind of womanizer and you know she's kind of in love with him like her whole life will never admit it so it definitely would have had some good talking points um however it's a good movie i wanted to stay true to it so i switched off and i picked uh the movie that i picked is from 2014 called song one um really uh, not not a big cast definitely not a star-studded cast Anne hathaway is is definitely the, the star of the movie um so it stars Anne hathaway her name is franny in the movie um, and she has a brother in college. Uh, his name is Henry. Um, he's a musician or he wants to be a musician. And then uh, Franny and Henry's mom's name um, or is Mary Steenbergen. And she is the mom from Elf and Step Brothers. So very famous actress. Yes. Um, has won an Oscar as well. So those were kind of the three people. And then there was this musician, James Forrester, who's a singer in the movie, um, and those are really the only four people in the entire film. So song one, um, what happens is Henry, is, like I said, is uh, an aspiring musician. James Forrester is his favorite artist. And he's kind of like this indie up and coming. Like he's not like a massive pop star, but he's selling out venues in Philadelphia, New York, but not big venues, if, if that makes sense. Um, and right in the beginning of the movie, so you don't have any emotional connection to anybody yet. It's within the first mm-hmm. 10 minutes. He has his headphones on and he's just been playing music in the subway and he's going back home and he gets hit by a car. Oh, um, so I'm sorry. So, but the thing was, is like, it could have, it, it, it could have been better in my opinion, if I had an emotional attachment to Henry at the time, I didn't literally, the movie was five to 10 minutes in and this college kid gets hit by a car. Um, so Franny is studying for a PhD in anthropology, and she's living in Morocco. 
Um, and her mom calls her out of nowhere and says, you need to come home. Henry's been in a, an accident. Um, so she goes back to, uh, they live in Brooklyn. So she goes back to Brooklyn and Henry's in a coma. Um, the doctors say like, I don't, we don't, we can't be sure if he's ever going to get out of the coma. And Franny kind of is a very, throughout the entire movie, her character is very quiet. Um, very independent, weird relationship with her mom, but like at times, you know, definitely loving, but you could see they've had some issues. Um, you could see that her and Henry has had some issues and it comes out that Henry dropped out of college to be a musician mm. and Franny didn't agree with it, said some nasty things and hadn't talked to him in six months. Oh, he had, he had sent, he had sent her like six or seven of his original songs and she never opened them, never responded to them. So she's feeling a lot of guilt as you can imagine. So she finds Jen, uh, Henry's journal. Um, and in the journal, he writes down all the places that he plays at all the venues that he likes. And she starts just going to these places and recording things with her record. Cause basically she, in Morocco, she was kind of, you know, uh, recording these different tribes. That's, I guess what the whole, her whole PhD paper was, uh, thesis was going to be on. So she always has this recorder like with her singing or interviews. They only showed it like a little bit. It was, okay. yeah, kind of like rituals that they would perform, I guess. Oh, I um, so she starts going to all these venues, recording it and like playing it for Henry, hoping it'll kind of Wait, help him from a coma. Yeah. I guess, I guess senses in a coma, the doctor said could help. So she goes to his favorite diner and gets pancakes and brings it back and just puts it like near his nose, goes to these music halls and records the songs and tries to have him listen, goes and buys this old piano and keyboard and plays it for him, hoping that, um, he's going to listen. So then he's obviously not waking up. The mom's going through it. Like they're all going through it. And, uh, and goes to see, or sorry, Franny Anne Hathaway, uh, character goes to see James Forrester, his favorite, um, artist in concert. Okay. Goes to, to the meet and greet afterwards and gives him one of Henry's original songs and says, Hey, my brother's been hit by a car this is his song. It's pretty good. I never listened to it. And he's like, Oh my God. And this guy is really, really quiet, really, really strange man. Okay. Um, so he's like, Oh my God. Is like, is he going to be okay? And she's like, I don't know. He's in a coma. And he kind of just looks at the CD and walks away. Um, a CD. He takes a CD. Yeah. Oh, and then he, move if he doesn't. Yeah. So, I mean, he definitely has a good heart as you could see. Um, and she mentioned that he's, like when he asks, is he going to be okay? She's like, well, he's in a coma at whatever hospital they're at. And so the next day he shows up with coffee and he starts playing at the bedside for Henry. Oh my gosh. Um, so Henry's not waking up obviously because, you know, right. and it's like a romantic drama, but at that point it then switches from, okay, my brother's in a coma, a relationship between Franny, his brother and his mom, which is all fractured to romantic notion of Franny and James Forrester. So she's like, oh, do you want to come? I'm going to Henry's, one of Henry's other favorite spots. So they eventually just start hanging out a lot. And he's, I mean, he's coming around the hospital. So it's not like Franny's like not right. paying attention, not paying but, Henry. and I think it's good. And, and, and the whole time James knows that in a week he has to go back, he's going back to Maine, which is where he lives. So he's just touring in New York and Philadelphia at this point. Um, and he drives his beat up old car and they sit out by the bridge and, you know, just kind of play music. And he admits to her that he hasn't been able to have any inspiration um, in finding a way to write new music since his first album got so popular. 
Um, and they eventually, you know, it, it eventually turns sexual. They uh, hook up a couple of times. Um, and towards the end of the movie, it's his last. So he knows his last shows in Philadelphia. And like I said, they're in Brooklyn. Um, and he goes, he has like a wedding that he's the entertainment for, uh, in New York. And that's his last like gig in New York before he goes to Philadelphia. And then he's going right from Philly to Maine. Um, and so he goes to the wedding and then comes over late at night after the wedding and sitting at, uh, Henry's bedside is obviously, uh, Franny and, um, James Forrester is like, okay, I, ha- I have a new song. I, want- I haven't played this for anybody. I want to play it for you. And she's like, okay. And he just starts to play it. And like, he doesn't really even start singing. He just starts playing the guitar and Henry's eyes open, mm. which is like a-, a great, but it's also like, yeah. okay. I mean, it's been a week. Right. Yeah. And now he's popping out of a coma. Um, right. So, but his eyes open, but then they close again. So that uh, she runs to get a doctor and he's still in the coma. And they think that Franny just like, she, Franny made, not made it up, but was seeing things. So she hasn't been sleeping and, you know, things like that. Well, I'm pretty sure people's eyes can open when you're in a coma and close. And mm-hmm. It's a thing. So. So she freaks out and James obviously doesn't really know what to do. They've only known each other for like a week. Um, so he kind of sits out there quietly, really nicely. Again, he's really quiet. He's a really nice dude. Um, he, he has to leave to go play Philadelphia. So he goes to, to Philadelphia and the next morning Franny's sitting with, with uh, Henry and he really does open his eyes this time because she's playing James Forrester's music on YouTube and he opens his eyes and she's freaking out. And immediately he actually, he, he says like, Franny, like that was the horrible impression. I don't know. Franny, I don't know. <laughs> Franny, um, but he, like, but as you can imagine, not yeah. speaking for a while, tubes down your throat. So and she just starts crying. She says, I'm so sorry. Um, you know, I'm so sorry for not talking to you. I'm so sorry for not believing in you. Um, and eventually, you know, you find out uh, that, uh, you know, he's going to be okay. Nice. So she goes So she goes to Philadelphia at the end of the movie to go try to catch James's last show before he goes to Maine. And the show's sold out. And she gets there right at the end. And the guy's like, I'm sorry, I got no more tickets. But there's TVs outside the venue. And um, he goes, I want to play something for you guys that I haven't played for anybody. I got some inspiration over this past week. Um, so I'm just going to, he just goes, I'm just going to get, I'm just going to get it over with. And he starts singing this new song and she's watching the TVs. And it's a song about like, I'm obviously not going to sing because I have no talent. Uh, <laughs> but <do> you sing? <laughs> it's pretty much a song about, I know you can't hear me. I know you can't see me, but. Like you're, we're here for you. Like pretty much like Henry not being able to. Right, uh, we're in a coma, but we're here. Right, and it, it was a, it was a good catchy song, and she starts she gets tears in her eyes, and she goes out to his car, um, and he always had parking tickets throughout the entire movie. He just parked <laughs> his car wherever. So Park she takes in Westchester <laughs> or Philadelphia. All right. Um. So she he has a ticket on his car. Of course, she takes it. She's going to, she pays for it. She writes thank you on the back of it. And then she puts in a big envelope, a cassette, and he gets back to his car uh, and plays the cassette. And it's a recording of them uh, sitting up, like I told you, they're sitting up on the bridge, just sitting up on the bridge, shooting the shit, laughing at each other. And that's kind of how the movie ends. That's a sweet ending. That sounds a lot better than my movie. So it's like a, it was a very quick movie, hour and a half. I like that. Mine was um, two hours. 
Yeah. Torture. Um, so it, it was sweet. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think a little bit far-fetched, but I mean, I think a lot of times that's what movies are. Um, I thought that James was a little bit too weird for me to really connect on a, you know, I'm a, I'm a sucker for romantic movies. I'll be the first to admit it. I do love them. Um, and you know, when the right people at the end don't get together, it makes me angry. Um, I like the way they did it in the end. I like that they weren't just like, you know, going to be together because she's obviously going right. to end up going back to Morocco and he has to go back to Maine. Um, so I like the way they ended it, but he was a little bit too weird. I couldn't connect with them on an emotional stand level from a romantic standpoint. And I couldn't connect with Henry as much because I didn't know him when he got hit by the car, if that makes right. sense. So you must so, connect with Franny. Yeah, I connected with Franny and, you know, the, the guilt that she felt, you know, not talking to her brother for six months and, you know, kind of condemning him for, you know, obviously her mom is a PhD in anthropology. She was going for a PhD in anthropology. And just because the brother didn't want to follow in some of the similar footsteps, you know, she kind of condemned him. Um, so overall, it was good. It was short. It was it wasn't a funny movie. I didn't laugh once. Um, mm-hmm. But you do find yourself smiling at the point parts, like especially at the end and the song and things like that. So. I like when there's music incorporated in movies, so definitely not a waste of time. Um, you know, not, I don't really know if I'd recommend it per se, um, but I mean, if you're just looking for you know a mindless watch, then I think that's what it was. On IMDb, it got a 5.8. On Rotten Tomatoes, it got a 36%. Um, I'm right around there, I think. Uh, you know, the rating for me is going to be like a 5.6. You know, right over that, just just above average for me, um, you know, and I think realistically, yeah, that, that that's kind of fair. It's it, it, it can't get into sixes for me. You know, once you get to six and a half, seven, you're starting to talk about a good movie. Eight, you're starting to talk about a really good movie. And then, of course, mm-hmm. anything above that. And then below five, you're starting to talk about a poor movie. And it, it wasn't poor. So I'm going to lock that in at 5.6, uh, song one, 2014, Anne Hathaway, review, stamp it. Um and I think, I think what I took away from it is, do you think, now, I think you see it a lot of times in romantic movies, romantic dramas, romantic comedies, whatever the case may be, a lot of times things just fall into place. Like she goes mm-hmm. and meets this, she goes and meets this artist at a meet and greet and all of a sudden they start to quote unquote fall in love. Um, do you think those things really do exist in the world and what what are the percentage of the times that that happens for people oh man i've always wondered this because you see it on like you're saying see it in movies all the time you see it on tv shows all the time um i think it's possible and i think that might be the hopeless romantic in me speaking saying mm-hmm. that i think it's possible however i don't think it's Okay. Yeah, I can I can agree with that. Have you ever remotely experienced anything like that? Like just meeting somebody and being like what? Meeting somebody that the bullshit thing where like there's hundreds of people in the room but you look over and somehow your eye levels are the same and you're connecting eyes or you kinda of have this feeling in your gut, um, you know, after speaking with somebody for, you know, five minutes. I would say like maybe remotely like from a pretty far distance I've like sort of experienced that um more in the sense that like there were a bunch of people in the room and we looked at each other and we just sort of walked 
towards each other and were talking, but it wasn't anything, you know, it, it was just two people talking. It wasn't romantic in any sense. It was mm. two people talking, having conversation and being like, why are we here? Like, looking right. around the room, you know, making fun of people, the way you form camaraderie with people. Um, mm. Yeah, I think I... And what happened? No, that was it. Like that was it. Talk, yeah, talk. And do you think that that's okay? Like, when you look back on an experience like that, is that something that you uh, you'd look back and go, you know what? I really do value an experience like that. It doesn't always have to. No, doesn't always have to end in experience happily ever after. Yeah, no, absolutely. I value those experiences for sure. I mean, I can think of countless a countless number of times where I've interacted with one person. Um, and I've walked away from that experience and I've never spoken to them again. And mm. I, and like, I've been like, wow, like that was just like a really, really great conversation, you know, with, with anyone, um, not just, you know, like men, uh, I've had that experience right. plenty of times, just meeting people and having a great conversation and being like, wow, like I really enjoyed that. Like I took something away from that conversation. Um, I'm specifically thinking about this one time I was at a friend's graduation party and, uh, there was a group of us who were all just sort of sitting around talking. And um, I started talking to this one girl and we just sat there and we had the most like raw and honest and vulnerable conversation ever about, oh, God, I don't even remember what it's about anymore. But I just remember sitting there and, you know, I was leaving. I was like, hey, like, it was great to talk to you, you know, whatever. And I remember leaving thinking, wow, like, I don't know that person. And we just talked about like some of our deepest fears and like some of our major flaws and mm -hmm. it was fine. And we yeah. walked away and left it as it was. And I don't know, it was a really cool experience. Yeah. I think a lot of times there's, there's so many, not necessarily negative stories, but there's so many of the same stories that you hear, you know, over and over via yeah, you meet people out when you're drinking or at the, you know, whatever you're doing, but the actual, ability to create a bond based off human connection that doesn't happen all the time is is pretty amazing um yeah. you know it, it leaves you with a feeling of it leaves you a little bit inspired and hopeful yeah that, the, that there's people out there that you can connect with without really sharing years of of your life with um you know just like you explained at the graduation party where just by some chance of life you guys are crossing crossing paths and it doesn't have to be this lifelong friendship or lifelong relationship or happily ever after but in the moment that is 10 minutes three hours one week in this case with the movie um you know it can leave a stamp i think on on your outlook overall uh, on life and i think that those those experiences are fleeting and i think you know to you know, to have those, uh, are rare and, you know, appreciated for sure. Definitely. I had one, there's one that always sticks out for me. I was in Italy. Uh, I visited Italy a couple of years ago. Um, and I went to Rome and we went to this nightclub. Uh, I think it was our last night in Rome. Um, and there's girls there that don't really speak English too well. Uh, and it wasn't like a drunk thing. Like we were really just kind of like high on life at that point. Like there's fireworks or some sort of celebration for whatever reason, uh, just a super nice night out, just kind of feeling on top of the world. And 
I met this girl. Uh, it wasn't like, oh, we locked eyes across. It was more, I think I really ran into her when I was dancing. Um, so a little bit less romantic, but and she couldn't really speak great English. She could speak English enough where I could understand her, but we had a really, really good night. Uh, and it, again, nothing even sexual, tra- you know, kind of mm-hmm. transpired. Um, but we just had a great night, just like dancing, having fun. Um, and we actually talked about being pen pals for a while. Like she was talking to me about what she wants to do. Write, like feather, feather inked letters. Um, I, I wish that would, see, that would have been, that would have been cool. Um, yeah, we talked I about it. No, we talked about it and she talked to me about things like what she wanted to do after school and how she wanted, I think she wanted to be like a professor. Um, we never did end up writing to each other, but it's, it's one, it's those experiences that you kind of carry with you. Um, somebody across the world in a completely different culture, speaking pretty much a completely different language, um, just on a night where you cross paths and, and can, uh, can create an impact on each other, I think is, is cool. I think in, I think in movies, it happens about 90% of the time in romantic comedies and romantic dramas. And I think in real life that probably happens about two or 3% of the time. But, um, I think the notion of the feeling that the characters are trying to make you feel in the movies does remain constant with the feeling that you get in real life if that makes sense yeah no it makes a ton of sense and i totally agree with you uh those you can't get that on hinge <laughs> no you can't get that on hinge but we'll still take your sponsorship we will um, hinge and if you want us to say that you can get that on hinge you can get that on hinge <laughs> <laughs> um no uh i yeah those moments are spectacular um they they make you feel all sorts of things inside and i think the the biggest thing it makes you feel is just joy uh, mm-hmm. pure unadulterated joy because you just connected with a human on this level and it was what it was and you're okay with that mm-hmm. yeah i agree because i think a lot of times in today's world and you know everybody is not necessarily everybody does it realistically you know you got to put on a face a lot of the times you got to blend in you got to be a chameleon and that's okay and that that's obviously necessary in all walks of life you know you can't 100 percent just try to do what you want all the time in every setting you know you got to you got to blend in a lot of the time and and, you know got to talk about things that maybe and, and pretend to like things that maybe you don't really like but in those moments where you're really being you and you know, the other person's really being them and you're actually connecting in a sense. It's uh, it's unique and in a powerful feeling, um, you know, for sure. It definitely is. All right. So those are the two movies. We had Serenity from Tina, a 3.3 would not recommend unless you are Jack, the beekeeper <laughs> and song one, 5.6. If you're an average friend, I'd recommend it. I wouldn't recommend it to you, Tina, but you know. Thank you. I would recommend it to a colleague, like Tyler. <laughs> yes, Tyler. Tyler, Tyler's a mutual friend. <laughs> um, so, as uh, as you guys should know by now, we like to end every uh, episode with some good news. Although I think the topics on these con- the, on this episode were, were pretty pretty good. You know, yeah. Felt, yeah, we weren't very good. cynical. No, not very cynical at all. So, uh, not a even so, for us, really. <laughs> even so, at least for you. 
Uh, okay. All right. That's enough. <laughs> um, even so, we have some good news to share, and I'll go first for this one. So um, I saw a video on Facebook, and I think a lot of the good news I'm going to get are just going to come from Vile. I love Facebook. I don't really care what people say. I still think it holds a lot of value. I think each individual social media platform holds a different like type of uh, type of I guess thing that you look for. So Twitter, I go for my news. Like you, can, you really find news the and your lap falling apart on Twitter. And you're laughing all the time. I oh, mean, there's yeah. just there's world class comedians on Twitter. <laughs> My yeah. roommate always says he would spend like fifty bucks a month to to have Twitter. Um, and then you go to Snapchat, which is just your your utilization to try to communicate with people when you're too scared to actually just reach out and text or call. Right. Um, and then you go to Instagram, which is where you kind of you everyone like puts real up life. Yeah, everyone puts up their best stuff. They're all movie stars. There's nothing bad. It's all peaches. Um, and then Facebook, you kind of just get everything. I get my family. I get some family photos. I get some viral videos. You got the hometown baby mamas. You got the exactly get the hometown baby. You still got those people you went to high school with that are using Facebook like it's Twitter, like updating like this for uh, a truth is, you know, trying to yeah. get that stuff coming back. Um, so I do believe that they all kind of hold their value in Facebook for me. Um, holds value for viral videos. And anyway, long story short, uh, I saw this on Facebook and um, it actually touched me uh, a lot because in high school, I used to work with uh, mentally and physically handicapped children um, every I summer. that about you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What? Was it a baseball thing? Yeah, it was called okay. the Miracle League. Yeah, um, I kind of remember that. Okay. And that's kind of where this all started. I would announce uh, the games for them and help them, uh, you know, on the field. And, you know, seeing a kid's face light up when you're going. And now up to bat, number seven for the Detroit Tigers. Uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a special time in my life, a, a time that I'll never forget. So I have a lot of experience and a lot of gratitude for um, people that want to assist with physically menti- uh, mentally handicapped children and families and of course the children themselves so i saw a video um of uh, she was a little bit older but she had a a form of autism that when she got upset uh she would start to hit herself and um you know in a way where she could really inflict some damage on herself and can't control it and in this video there was uh this golden retriever which was kind of like her service dog um and every time the you know something wasn't going right or she was acting um you know in a way that it was dangerous for her this dog would jump up on her lap and just kind of hold her and it would calm her down enough where she would stop hitting herself uh, and, and if she kept going back the dog would go and and bump his head against her arm to make her stop and lick her face um and eventually that is insanely sweet eventually she would calm down enough where, you know, it wasn't dangerous for her anymore. Um, and I thought it was really sweet to, you know, see, see a dog obviously do that. Everybody loves dogs, but then to be able to assist in a time of need, um, you know, was, was something that kind of touched my heart in a, in a way because, you know, I've dealt with it. I've seen it, um, before and, you know, I kind of know the dangers of it. And I think, uh, you know, it was really cool to, to see a video like that. That's awesome. I love that. That was a good one. Thanks. Uh, So my good news story is uh, about a South Philadelphia teacher um, who was honored uh, this past Friday for uh, 50 years of teaching. 50 years. That's insane, right? Um, So she actually started. Her name is Mrs. Sarah Avatali. 
Avicolo. Uh, I should be able to say it uh, because I am Italian and it looks very Italian, but I cannot properly But um, Mrs. A. Mrs. A. Let's call her Mrs. A. So she started teaching when she was 18 years old uh, when there was a teaching shortage. And wow. you're like, you books stunned. So she's That's going great. to college while she uh, was teaching. So she's like literally learning as she's going. Like teaching like, what? What age group? Do you know that? Uh, yes. Well, she. it says that she taught a variety of different grades. Okay. Um, It'd be weird if she was teaching seniors when she was 18. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? That would have been insane. Um, I mean, it's weird enough that, like, we graduate from college typically uh, around age 22. Obviously, not everybody. Um, mm-hmm. And at that time, people are teachers. And we're like, wait a second. We're the same age. And, and you're in charge of, like, yeah. the future of yeah. America and the youth. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I picked this because 50 years is an insanely long time to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, how her patience hasn't run out, I have no idea, but, uh, both my parents are actually teachers. Um, my dad, uh, taught foreign languages. Uh, he taught Spanish, French, Italian, and and Latin at the high school that I went to. He could speak Um, all of those languages fluently? Yes, that is correct. Oh my goodness. I know. Well, except for Latin. I think you just like read that and write it. Um, <laughs> anyways, so, and then my mom uh, taught first grade and then she was a reading uh, support teacher for a while. Uh, she took some time off to raise my lovely brother and I. Um, but anyways, I just thought that teaching for 50 years was insane. Um, and she obviously very clearly loves the job. Um, and all these students were talking about how great she is and they have students from literally the past 50 years, like talking about what an awesome teacher she was and what an impact she's had on their lives. Uh, so big shout out to teachers for sure. One and two, uh, it sort of reminded me of my dad a little bit. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of my friends had my dad uh, as a teacher. They all loved him. And I'm like, eh, you don't live with him. You don't know him. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. My dad's awesome. Um, but my dad actually retired uh, three, two or three, two years ago, maybe. Uh, but has since continued to go back to do long-term subbing jobs. Oh, so Stay uh, busy. Yeah, yeah, totally. But you know, it's, I think it's just really cool to see somebody so committed to their career. Uh, Mrs. A, 50 years, that's insane. Um, and just doing it for, like, the love of the kids. And mm-hmm. uh, I hope that's that's why a lot of teachers are getting into it and doing what they're doing. Um, and to any teachers out there listening, thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. You put up with a ton of bullshit. Um but there are plenty of kids out there who uh, really appreciate that. And I'm sure you could probably think of some of your favorite teachers that you've had and how mm-hmm. much you appreciate them. Um, so even if you don't hear it, you are appreciated and you rock. Yeah, absolutely. Kudos uh, to, to Mrs. A. Um, we all have teachers in our lives that, you know, will stand out for us uh, for whatever, a multitude of reasons that kind of shape the person that, you know, you become, and that could be in middle school, elementary school, high school, college. Um, they all do a lot for realistically a little, the amount of time, effort, and things that they put in, sacrifices that they make for the betterment realistically of the generations to come um, uh, is, 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 is super um, applause worthy. And, 
you know, it's a, it's a sad point, but even in today's world where school shootings seem to be happening um, on a, on a far too regular basis to have to then consider that into, you know, kind of things that they deal with. And I know that seems ridiculous to, to mention, but it's really not anymore. Um, You know, so absolutely kudos to, to all the teachers out there, to my teachers, shout out to, some of you guys, I still have a few. There's one that always sticks out, um, Mrs. Smith. I think she's gotten married since then. And her so. name actually, Mrs. Smith. No. So it was Miss Smith. She did get married, and I, I don't know, uh, but she was my 10th grade English teacher. And I think she helped me realize that, you know, writing was, was a big part of, of my life and something that I was good at. And, you know, she's one that always, you know, sticks with me. So to everybody's Miss Smiths out there, to everybody Mrs. A's out there, um, Thank you. Like Tina said, uh, we appreciate you. And, and I'm sure, you know, we don't show it because we're kids and we suck, um, you know, but, but we, we definitely, uh, we definitely do appreciate you guys. All right. Help. Who Very... is going to be on oh, next? Right. The wheel. The we've wheel. had, we've had two pretty good. Two, we had two really good to start so far. No, I agree. All right, here we go. I won't do the noise this time. I kind of like the noise. It got too quiet. I had to do something. All right, here we go. All right. So he's definitely a very well-known actor. Um, Hugh Grant. Ooh, let me see Hugh Grant. So he's uh, obviously from, I think he's originally from London. Uh, He gets the the rap sometimes of being... uh, not stuck. Stuck up's not the right word, but he gets the the rep sometimes being a little bit agitated in a funny way on all the talk shows and things that he's done. He's in the new movie with Matthew McConaughey, um, The Gentleman, which is in theaters right now, as well as a wide array of movies that we'll have uh, to choose from. So Hugh Grant will be episode three on Roll the Credits. This was Anne Hathaway on episode two of Roll the Credits. And um yeah i think that's it you're getting me for another year philadelphia uh tina you're getting me for forever realistically with this podcast and and things moving forward um but i think i think that's all that i had anything less oh thank you much much appreciated um that was a very nice episode we have to be meaner next time we talked about a lot of nice things we We talked about moments that i mean my favorite part was still the beekeeper and your and your agave but um you know, agave. actually agave. you know that they put agave in margaritas that's actually no i'm kidding i was gonna say that's actually why i bought it that's not but that is why you bought it it is and you love a good margarita so if there's any margarita companies out there that would like to have a sponsor <laughs> or tequila or tequila, or agave, or plant shops. Really anything. We'll settle for MeUndies, as I'm wearing them right now. Uh, Tina's Christmas gift to me. <laughs> so am I. Uh, that was a shout-out to Armchair Expert, our podcast where we got a lot of inspirations uh, from, and that is one of their favorite sponsors. Um, but yeah, really anything. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll settle for, for, for Band-Aids or adult diapers, uh, realistically, uh, anything. We're going to need those ones. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be doing these in our adult diapers. We'll be doing this podcast for uh, for many years to come. So, Tina, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure as always. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, this is Roll the Credits. I'm Ryan. I'm Tina. And we will see you next week. Bye.